Hi everyone, it's good to be with you here today. Uh, I really enjoyed watching church last week, so I hope you guys are enjoying it this morning too. Um, I'm going to be reading from John chapter 17, so if you want to follow along with me at home, uh, that would be great. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours and all you have is mine and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word. And the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Well, morning, everyone. It's really good to be standing here speaking to you again, although I have to admit uh, a little bit strange looking down the barrel of a camera at you rather than looking at your faces. But in any case, good morning. And my name's Coops. I'm one of the pastors here at Trinity Modbury. 
Well, before we get into our passage, I thought I would tell you uh, a bit of a story. This is a story of me growing up in a town called Kalgoorlie. So that's a town in Western Australia. It's a large mining town and it's about 600 kilometres east of Perth. Now, I was in year six back in Kalgoorlie and one day during lunchtime, almost the entire school, so about 400 of us, we were playing on the school oval. And this oval was surrounded by this really high chain link fence all the way around the oval. And through the fence, a couple of my classmates, a couple of the more cheeky fellas, saw a couple of teenagers walk by and they gave them a bit of cheek. And these teenagers, they weren't particularly impressed. And so they told these classmates of mine exactly what they thought and that they were going to climb over the fence and they were going to sort these guys out. So at that, my classmates gave them a bit more cheek and the teenagers leapt on this fence and they started climbing and these kids started running off the oval. And within minutes, literally minutes, 400 kids were running for their lives, streaming through the gate, all heading up to the classrooms. And I remember one of the PE teachers intercepting us on the way and he said, what's wrong? And we told him that there were these kids and they were climbing over the fence and they're coming to bash us. And he said, how many? And he looked over towards the oval and we said, two. And he just looked at us like we were idiots and he said, but there's 400 of you. But he had a point. You see, there was just mass panic. There was no unity in that. And overall, it was just pretty ugly. It's a bit like what we're seeing at the moment, isn't it? Out in the public square with the panic buying that's going on, there's no unity there either. And a lack of unity is destructive. It's divisive. And what we're going to see in today's passage in John 17 is that actually unity should be a mark of God's people. And actually, uh, unity is something that glorifies God. Now, it'd be really helpful if you could have John chapter 17 open there in front of you in your Bibles. And this particular chapter of John, well, we're coming to the end of Jesus' final address to his disciples. He's told them about all the trials that they're going to face as followers of him. He's also told them about the joys that they can expect beyond the troubles of the world. And now here in chapter 17, he's praying to the Father just before his arrest and his execution. So let's do that ourselves before we begin this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that we can meet even over the internet like this to hear from you uh, through your word and Father, in times like these, please comfort us uh, and reassure us in the joy that we know lies beyond this world. Help us to cast our eyes on you as we open the Bible this morning. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, today, what I want to talk to you about is God's glory in unity. And I want to look at God's glory in unity in three points. So the first point is gospel unity. Second point is Christian unity. And the third point is complete unity. So gospel unity, Christian unity, and complete unity. And the first point, gospel unity. Well, in the first few verses of this passage of John 17, they describe the gospel. And the gospel brings us back into relationship with God. It brings us into unity with him, and it brings him glory. In verse 1 there, Jesus prays, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. So in other words, the hour, the time has come for his crucifixion. That's what he's referring to there, his crucifixion. And in verse 5, 
he's referring to his resurrection because as he says, And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world began. See, the Son was with the Father before the world, wasn't he? The beginning of this Gospel of John tells us that. And so he can't be dead and be with the Father. So to be with the Father's presence is to be resurrected. And in verse 2, he says, For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you've given him. You see, the Father has given him authority to give life. So these first five passages, they're describing the willing, obedient death and the resurrection of Jesus to bring life. Like this is, this is the gospel that Jesus is praying about. And so we see that the death and the resurrection of Jesus glorifies both the Son and the Father. It glorifies God. And it does it by bringing life. The life that it brings to his people. And this word for glory that's used here, it means something like splendid greatness. And it is, isn't it? It is splendid greatness. This is bringing life which is only something the one true God can do. That is greatness. And to bring it to those who don't deserve it by self-sacrifice, that is splendid greatness indeed. That's God's glory. It's expressed by the giving of life. Now, you know those stories, um, kids' stories of rubbing a lamp and there's a genie in it and the genie pops out? Well, I want to imagine that you did that. You found a lamp, you rubbed it, a genie popped out, and the genie said, Choose how you'll bring splendid greatness on yourself. Choose how you will bring splendid greatness on yourself. Like, what would most people choose? Riches, garage full of Lamborghinis, wealth, maybe have everybody serving you, or unlimited power over people, maybe. But God didn't choose those things. He chose glory, splendid greatness, by his sacrifice. And that gave life to us. It's the ultimate selfless expression of love. And what that does is it brings us into unity with God. Take a look at verse 3 with me. Verse 3. Now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So do you see that? It's not only life, but it's to know the only true God and Jesus Christ. It's not a life where God's sort of remote from us somewhere. It's, It's to know him personally. This is in unity with him. And there is, there is a great hope in a unity of life in the certainty of a unity of life with the one true God. That is a hope that gets you through tough times, just like the ones we're facing up to now. And so compare that hope and that certainty to what's going on around us. What we've seen in the community and these panicked reactions, that comes from uncertainty and a lack of hope. And it makes this a message that everybody needs to hear. Which brings me to the second point, which is Christian unity. 
Well, God intends us to be in unity with each other and in a way that's very, very deep. He, he intends this unity to be so apparent that others can see it and that actually in seeing it, they will turn to believe because of what they see. And in the next part of this prayer from verse 6, Jesus is praying for his disciples who are those people that the Father has given him. And he says in verse 6, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. But he's also praying for those who will believe. That's in verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. So you see, between verse 6 and verse 20, actually Jesus is praying for all believers. This is his disciples who he has and all of those onwards who'll believe. It's including of us. And he says in verse 10, glory has come to me through them. You see, those who trust Jesus bring him glory. And that makes sense from the first point, because you come to faith in Jesus by believing the gospel. And it's the gospel that glorifies God. And verse 11 makes it clear that part of the reason that he's asking these things from the Father is actually so that believers will be in unity. Take a look at verse 11 with me. Verse 11 says, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. And he repeats that in verse 20 to 21. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. It makes sense to be one, to pray for that, to pray for unity, because that's what we will be. If you remember the first point that I made, the eternal life is to know God and Jesus Christ. We're going to be in unity together. In fact, we already are. If you placed your trust in the death and the resurrection of Jesus, then you know God personally. All believers know God and they are in unity with him. And so we have that unity together. That's Christian unity. And so it makes sense, doesn't it, to live that unity out now. We're to live out what we are and we're to do it understanding a couple of things. Firstly, verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. You see, Jesus' word of truth, it's been told to the disciples who told it to others. And we have those words right here in the Bible. There are others who will believe through their message. Like That's through our message. We have to tell the gospel to people so that we all may be one in unity. You know, they can't be in unity unless they hear the gospel. And the gospel glorifies God. And in the current climate, actually, there are some 
unique ways to share the gospel. Um, I was in the shops recently and I was talking to a lady. You know when you walk into Big W or Kmart and they have the uh, security scanners there and they always have someone there? I was speaking to this lady and asking her about different shopping behaviours that she'd seen, conflict and people arguing over toilet paper and so on. And I said to her, you know, it just seems like everyone's doing what's right in their own eyes. And she agreed. And I think these days most people would. And to get somebody to agree to that, it's a much smaller step than it would normally be to bridge over to the gospel. You could say something like, you know, there'd be no problem if everybody trusted in something bigger than themselves. That's why Jesus died for us. Or you could say, well, we can't all be right though, can we? There, there has to be a single right way to live. That's why I believe that Jesus came, died and lived again for us. Right? There are opportunities now to share the gospel because more than ever, people need to hear it. Now, you probably know this. Australia is a very wealthy country. We're in somewhere around the top 10 of the most wealthy countries in the world. And, and it's very difficult to share the gospel with people who think they're already in heaven, or at least think that they don't need anything that they can't control themselves. But it's changed, hasn't it, in Australia just in the last two weeks? It's changed a lot. And people do need something. In fact, they need a couple of things. They need certainty and they need hope. That's what they need. And we have a product that provides both of those things. It's the gospel. Now, secondly, the unity that's been spoken of here, this Christian unity, it's to be so compelling that others will see it and they will turn to believe. Have a look now at verse 21 with me. Jesus prays in verse 21 that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. But can you imagine what it would be like to have a unity such that other people would look at that and it would cause them to believe? It's hard to imagine what that would look like. But Jesus talks about it in verse 21, where he says that all of them may be one father, just as you are in me and I am in you. The closeness and the love between the father and the son is to be reflected in Christian unity. Now, just think about the father and the son. This, this love between the father and the son the magnitude of that, the shared objective that they have to save their people, the self-sacrifice that they have, sharing in that salvation that they've provided. That's what we're called to have between us in that Christian unity. And we've been given something, actually, to make that possible. In verse 22, Jesus says he's given believers the glory that the Father gave Jesus so that they may be one. And what he's done actually is to reveal the Father to us. He's revealed the Father and he's revealed the Father's love to us through the gospel. I, we will not receive a greater expression of love than that 
have you have you ever seen a willful child who's sort of going their own way in the shops against their parents' will, perhaps, and they've got lost? Maybe that's happened to you. I've had a child or two lost over the years. And when they've been lost in the shops for a bit, they get that out-of-control look in their eyes and hair everywhere. There's this wild panic. But when they're finally reunited with their parents and they're hugged and they're held close, it just takes that all away. They feel secure in love. They're connected again and they're no longer going their own way. There's this unity, isn't there, between them, between those family members. So how much more for us, knowing that we're loved by our Father, by God himself? That there is a shared security and unity in that, that we express toward each other. That is the type of love that will stand out amongst us. And that is the type of love that others will want to know about it. And that shares the gospel. And it glorifies God. Um, I've been reading recently on my local community Facebook page. There's people in our neighborhood who want to create support networks, which is uh, great. It's a great idea to check in on each other to run errands for those that can't get out, maybe even share essential items sacrificially between each other. I mean, you might be down to your last toilet roll, but I've started buying newspaper just in case. So everybody's got my number. Give me a call if you're getting short. But those sorts of things, that's what our community group structures do in church all year round, don't they? That's what they do. But I hope actually they go much, much further than that. I think again about the Father and the Son, the love between them, the shared objective to save, the self-sacrifice in doing it. I was reading a book recently which goes some way, I guess, to illustrating the type of love and shared self-sacrifice that this passage is talking about This is a story that happened many, many years ago now in China and it was back when they still had village clans. And missionaries had seen some of the Chinese become Christians in this area and when one of the Chinese Christians refused to burn incense to his ancestors, the clan chief summoned him and he sentenced him to a thousand lashes. And before that could be carried out, another Chinese Christian came to see the chief and he said, look, all Christians are brothers and sisters. We're all part of God's family. And because we're all part of God's family, we can't just sit by and let one of our brothers be lashed. So he said, what we're going to do, all the Christians are going to come here and they're going to share the lashes with this man. That's what we're going to do. But the chief knew there'd be trouble if other clan members were lashed. And so they spent all night in discussion and by the morning he'd agreed to drop the punishment. Now, that is a unity that will speak to the outside community. Now, the final point that I want to briefly touch on is complete unity. Because at the end of this passage, it makes it clear that we Christians, uh, we're on a journey, actually. We're on a journey to be made complete. Have a look at verse 24 with me. 
Verse 24 says, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. See, Jesus is praying here himself to the Father for believers to be with him in unity, right there with the Father in eternity. Wait, that is, that is an amazing thought, isn't it? To be with God in unity together for eternity. And as we head towards that destination, verse 26 says, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them. And as we know the Father more and more, see the love he has for the Son will become our love. That love and that unity I've been talking about, it grows in us as we continue to grow to know the Father. It's a journey. By knowing the Father, we're being transformed until ultimately we're with Jesus and it will be complete. We will be with him in unity like a family is in unity. It's extraordinary. And at the end of that verse, it says, and that I myself may be in them. You see, this gospel we're talking about, this is a gospel that glorifies God and it's the fulfillment of his plan to perfect us as he brings us to be with him. Along with all those believers who came to know him because God used the gospel words that we spoke to them. Along with all those believers who were curious about Jesus because they saw the increasing unity and love we demonstrated amongst ourselves. That's a wonderful thought and it will be just as it was at the beginning of creation. God dwelling with all his people forever. And that will indeed be splendid greatness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for your glory and the way you express it so generously in the giving of life. We pray, Father, that your will would be done and that you would protect us from evil as we continue in your task, that we would proclaim the gospel of Jesus and we would care for each other with a love so profound that those around us would see it and they'd be curious. And Father, we do ask us, we do ask that you would help us to look beyond this world with joy and with confidence knowing that you're bringing us to perfection to be with you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.